Hey, welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church Podcast. My name is Matt Saxinger. I'm head pastor here. Hey, we want to help you think about stuff that you really should be thinking about. We want to help you talk about stuff that you should be talking about, um, you know, beyond the routine of life. And so we got Matt Kepke back again with us. Um, Matt, we were talking last time. You, you got um, you got an awesome family. You've got this life story where God, you know, kind of gradually pulled you back to himself. And we we're talking about some of your time in the military and how that you know pushed or pulled you away from God, um, and really for you it was a time to pull you closer to God. Is there any sort of moment in particular, like when you were, you know, in duty or overseas, that God really kind of got hold of you? Um, you know, any any time I've been away from my family, I think that sure, you know, that's a it's awful. Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, really, I don't like it at all. I don't like being away from my family, but God really does do some pretty incredible stuff in that time because I think I'm, I am prone to um, almost place my family. So my wife and even my kids like on this pedestal and move them to a seat or a place that only God should, mm. should be on. Right. That's a fascinating point. Yeah. So then, because they're they are they represent so much good in my life right there's so much joy there so we can we can actually put them on a pedestal that that isn't even fair to them no yeah yeah but then being away you know being taken away you you know you're it it shakes you right sure because you know even if even if you did ensure that god is in the right seat the right place you know i think everyone would agree your family holds a big you know a big part of of who you are, your identity, and, and, you know, what you put a fair amount of stock in. So being away kind of makes, you know, you just, you have to draw closer to God. Either, you know, that's the way I see it. It's either you draw closer to God or you, you what, get you get angry. angry at God because of the circumstances. Yeah. Because, but clearly your family's not fit, not meant to take the place of God because they are not there. So, right. God is always there. He's always going to be there with you, for you, and you know, and, and recognizing that, I think is is key to, you know, where you keep your focus. Yeah, and, and I want to say again on behalf of you know, really, I'm sure everybody listening in, you know, we appreciate the sacrifice you make for us, um, and just hearing you talk about some of you know, some of the, like the window into what a soldier experiences, it it reminds me of how I can be praying for you. You know how I can be praying for your family, how we can encourage yeah. a family that's you know at home while while dad or mom is overseas, and uh, so so appreciate that. And just a reminder to everybody out there, uh, that situation is for our benefit, and the more that we can show appreciation, the better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got one of our actually missionaries that we just started supporting with uh, Cadence in International. Where we've got a, a couple that's living on a base in Italy, of all places, right now, <laughs> in the middle of the coronavirus. Like they get there and they're quarantined pretty much instantly. Yeah. But they're there to minister to uh, American soldiers who are uh, stationed there. And so, you know, certainly we can be praying for them. Um, hey, so last week we we started talking about this uh, this idea of what John talks about here in John eight. We read the text forty eight through the end and hopefully you've checked that out or you listened to the last podcast the context is it's really kind of this pinnacle moment in the scriptures where jesus is coming he's he's ministering to his people the jews he's revealing who he is and he's presenting them with a choice of i'm i'm not just a regular guy i'm either the son of god i'm the messiah um 
or I'm not, and you need to decide that. And they go so far, the religious leaders go so far to say, uh, well, we already figured it out. In fact, <laughs> you're not the son of God, and you're actually, uh, you're the devil. Mm-hmm. And, and like, man, if there's any if there's any moment in scripture that I could go back and just be a fly on the wall, this one really draws me, because I just would love to see Jesus's interaction with them as they're looking at the son of God going, you work for the devil. Um, and, and his response to them. And, um, yeah. and so really what he says is, and we can kind of talk through this here, um, is he basically is going to tell them they missed the point in three different ways in his, in his interaction with them. Um, and, and you've got the text here where, where, you know, they start out and they say, you're, you're, um, you Samaritan devil. <laughs> Which, like to us, it's like, eh, that's no big deal. That <laughs> that's yeah. not a big deal, right? To them, that's like in their culture, in, that, in their language, that's the worst thing they could say. Like they thought this through, like what could we really say to really get Jesus, really just make him crazy? We're going to call him the worst thing. we Like that's the legitimate cuss word in their language to, to put those two together and, and throw them at Jesus. Um, and in a culture that's built on honor and shame, yeah. Right. Like people are going to war back then because you you're trying to restore honor to somebody. So this is big deal stuff. They do the double dishonor of you're not a Jew. You're actually a half Jew, which is to them. They would call you a dog. You're not one. So there's a huge racial slant. It's racist. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then there's the you're the devil, not God. So you've got this this whole big thing. What, what are your thoughts on that whole honor shame thing that's going on there? Yeah, I think that's I mean, that is the that is step one for a person to try to discredit or you know dismantle another person yeah when when you realize you you actually have no true evidence for what you're saying yeah. so you're just gonna you're gonna make up something to attack the character or the yeah. integrity of the yeah it's not accurate but it'll hurt <laughs> you recently preached on this you know what i mean like potiphar's wife like she just is like you know yeah this like guy this he's the, a he's a jew and like yeah, you know, you're making it's, you're making things up. It, and what it is, it's a it's it's a really honestly an attempt, and we do this ourselves. You can, you like if you think through the hurtful things you said to other people, they're attempts to restore our own honor by discrediting discrediting somebody else's honor. Yeah. So a dishonor in order to honor, it never really works. Like there's always kind of this sticky shame that kind of comes with it. Yeah. Um, but that's what's going on here. And Jesus is going, you're missing the point. So they miss the point three ways. The first way they miss the point is you think that I'm doing this for my glory. I'm not. This is for the fathers. Yeah. This isn't about me. This isn't my mission for my pleasure. I'm not on vacation. You know, the cross isn't a good time for me. <laughs> this is this is to <laughs> to bring honor this may to hurt my a father. Bit. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. And um, but I'm not here for my my glory. I'm here for his. But there's kind of this little like default like little jab that he throws in. Which I love his insight and his truth, where he's going like, "You dishonor me," um, in verse fifty. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is glory- going to glorify me. He is the true judge, as if to say, like, it's not about my honor or my glory. In the end, it will be. And if you're going to call me the devil, like the father who I'm connected with, like he is my my father, he's the judge. So you might want to like think this through. Yeah. Before you call me you Samaritan devil, because this at the end of the day is going to come back to you. 
Um, so that, so that's kind of like his first challenge. And then they're, they're going, they're going, well, no, we haven't missed a point. Um, you know, we know verse 52, you're a demon possessed man. Anyone who obeys, uh, you, you say anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Um, or what are you greater than Abraham? Like Abraham was our forefather. He was the man and yet he died. And you're saying that people aren't going to die. What's going on? And they miss the point. And the second way, the second way they miss a point is because they misunderstand Jesus' words where he says, anybody who follows after me will never see death. And they right. go, they go, what do you mean? Nobody's going to taste death. So they change his words. They miss his point. What do you think's going on there? Yeah, I, th- I think, again, like you said, they're just, they're twisting his words. They're doing in Genesis 3, in the fall, how Satan does his best to manipulation of to the manipulate words. to change it yep. in order to impact and affect other people in a negative way. Yeah, and, and Jesus is certainly not saying what they're accusing him of saying. He's not saying that nobody will physically die. Jesus right. is about to physically die. He's known people already in his life who have physically died. And please if you're if you if you're trying to search in all this, God never says that you're not going to physically die. That's just a part of reality and human existence. Right. What Jesus offers, which is so incredible, is is him, John 14, going like, hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to prepare a place so that when you die, you've got a place to go to. And if you believe in me, you'll live after you die. So he's not even, they're missing the point, And they're saying, oh, you're saying that we're going to live here forever. Jesus is going, no, that's never been the plan. Yeah. The plan yeah. has the plan is for you to be with me spiritually forever. So um, I, I just love how he he shows us really what we really long for. But then again, there's this reality of them going, no, this you, you couldn't do this. Really, the words that sting them is the phrase "I am," because it's that's, yeah. It's, uh, go ahead. Yeah, that's that's ultimately what they that's blasphemy, you know, in the worst way for them, which is you know. I don't know. I don't know. How do you relate that to our culture? Just, you know, I'm not a theologian. I'm not super school, you know, schooled up, but I do understand just in my reading of their culture and at that time, like that is the ultimate, you know, thing that you can't say that is outside of, you know, you're, you have placed yourself on a level so far above the rest of us that, you know, it's a throwback statement, so it goes back to a time when Moses, a follower of God, um, is he's interacting with God, and he's supposed to carry this message to the leader of Egypt and Pharaoh, um, and he goes, God, who should I say I am? Uh, like, wh- wh- what should I give him? Should I give him a name? Should I you know, draw a picture? How should I yeah. connect the, the, the dots between who you are? And, and God the Father says, tell them I am. Ego and me in, in the Greek, um, it would have been Hebrew then, but I, I am. Yeah. This idea that I'm existent, I don't depend on anybody else, I'm self-sustaining, I just am. Everything else depends on something. Yeah. I don't. And so when Jesus makes that claim of I am in, in John 8, you know, John eight fifty eight, Jesus answered, I tell you before the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. He's making the claim of equality with the father that he just like the father is is god eternal he's always been always will be um and so he's able to make a claim and say like if you're gonna if you're gonna fall after me if you're gonna obey you're never gonna see death not taste death we're gonna die um but what happens after will will death will death own us will we will we see a spiritual death 
um, and separation from God, or will we see spiritual life? And that's what yeah. he's promising here. So they miss a point. They miss a point the first time. They think it's about a mission for his own glory. It's not. It's for the Father's. By default, it will be his. Um, they think it's about physical death instead of spiritual death. And then they miss the point in, in the third one, in the third one here, um, where he he's basically saying, your father Abraham rejoiced. In verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw and was glad. So he's going, A, this is about the father more than it is about me. B, this is about spiritual death and, and spiritual life, not physical death. Um, and, and then C, this is about celebration. It's fulfillment. Right. Like, why would you be angry right now? <laughs> this is God doing what you wanted him to do for centuries. It's right here in front of you. Why wouldn't this be a big deal? I, I think as a culture, we kind of miss out on this this celebration concept. Like, hey, Jesus has done what he said. We live on this side of a resurrected Messiah. So what does that actually practically mean for life? So, so here's my question. Again, in this context of, of self-quarantine, of you know people thinking about the reality of life and death more, where do you think this comes uh, and, and connects with where they're at? Yeah, he, Jesus is absolutely sufficient. The, the thing, like you said, that, that last point, that final point, the thing that, that they have to celebrate about, the thing that they've been looking for, the, the, the big missing piece, you know, that, that void, yeah. he, he fulfills that. He can fill that unlike any other thing, you know, God very specifically designed us in such a way that, like, he is that missing piece. He is Absolutely. that thing that fills that place in our heart, in our desires, he, and, and in having that, in knowing that, um, it's, it's all throughout Scripture, not just here, like, that provides the ultimate peace. Like, yeah. it just brings everything together, all these things you're talking about, how, you know, who Jesus is and what the implications are for us, you know, that, okay, you know, you may, you may see death, but you're not going to taste it. Worst mm-hmm. case, worst case scenario. You know, I know this is terrible to think about, but yeah. the coronavirus goes nuts. Goes rampant. Yeah. You get it. And you're one of the people that it may very well take, you know, yeah. sh- shorten your time sure. on this earth as we right. see. But, but again, what is, what is God's plan for your life? What is what happens after you die? Where are you going? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the existence without diseases that cause people to die is not right. this one. It's what comes after yeah. this in heaven. And so if, if, if you know that, if you have that, then while no one is excited at all about the idea of being quarantined, being holed up, uh, of potentially getting sick and having to endure some yeah. sort of pain or loss, you know, of someone that they love or, the, you know, their own life. But what is, what is God doing with this time? If you're right. quarantined, why, is, why does he have you in that situation? Why does he have you there? Yeah. If you do experience loss, pain, sickness, again, are you, how are you going to use that for his glory? Well, it reminds me of Matthew where Jesus is talking about the wise man builds his house on the rock. And, of course, he's referring to the fact that he and everything he's taught, that's the rock. And his promise is when the storms come, your house stands. And right. so coronavirus is the storm of life. This is a rare opportunity for us as Americans to see Jesus 
hold their not their physical literal house but the metaphorical house that is who they are that it doesn't get swayed and thrown about that there's certainty and there's stability and, and even i'll go so far as to say celebration I think what Jesus claims in John 8 and what he follows through with on the cross of the resurrection either puts you in the point of total rejection or total celebration. Like this is either something that's just a complete joke. It's not even worth your time listening. It's not worth your time reading. Or it's worth celebrating and saying at at any given point, I've been promised it can't be taken from me. Through faith in Christ, I live forever. And, And it's worth celebrating. I think so. Here's here's kind of where I'm at. Like if you're if you're following Jesus, then this time while it it should slow you down, it should make you think, it should make you be wise and tactful. At the same time, you should go. But this reveals the fact that when everything else is said and done, I still have Jesus. Right. And He still is. I am. He's not. I am not. When the coronavirus is here, He's still. I am. And I think that's a powerful thing for us to wrestle with. <laughs> the other thing is, like, if you're a person who's on the fence about all this, man, I would plead with you. Make up your mind. Like, look and look and find out. Here's a question I would have for somebody who's like, I'm not, like, I'm not real sure about Jesus and or, or I don't like Jesus. This is my question if you're listening in. At the end of this statement, at the end of this text we're reading in verse 59 of John chapter 8, it says, at that point they picked up stones to throw at him. So they're total rejection. They're in the category of we don't want anything to do with them. The Jewish leaders, and this isn't a racial statement, um, but but just the reality is the Jewish leaders in this in this scenario, they uh, they never ask a question that I think is so incredibly important, which is why do you want to hate Jesus? Like why do you want to have him not be the Messiah? What's the reason behind the reason? Yeah. You know, slow down and ask, ask that question. Why why couldn't he be? Why wouldn't I want him to be? Why Why is this a, a reality that's better for me if Jesus isn't the Messiah? Um, and I'd be curious to, to interact with you on that if that's something you want to talk about. Um, but, but just to explore the thoughts behind the thoughts. Because why are we here? We want to help you think about stuff you need to think about, talk about stuff you need to talk about. Hey, I want to thank you guys again for joining in for uh, episode two with Matt Kepke here. Uh, Matt, I hope a bunch of people ask you about your tattoo. Maybe we can get a picture <laughs> attached to this or I have something. have to do a picture. Yeah, um, or I'll just draw it and I'll make it look awesome and say this is the actual tattoo. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, but be no more fun, probably. <laughs> again, appreciate everything that you do. And uh, if you're in the military out there, we want to remind you we, we're thankful for you and we appreciate that. We'll be praying for you guys. So thanks for checking us out and, and uh, join us another time.